This week's episode is sponsored by ProSearch. You may remember our episode a few weeks ago, episode 112, where we talked to Ed about his company. And Ashley and I really wanted to work with ProSearch just based off our mission and message of our podcast really fits well with their business. We talk so much about career and finding the right fit for your life. And that's kind of what ProSearch does too. They find the right fit for people's companies and they find the right fit for for you looking for a job and what's going to make you happy. Yeah. So Liz and I uh, spent one afternoon going over to their uh, one of their two offices. They have an office in Portland, Maine and in Auburn, Maine. And we went to their Portland office right in the heart of the old port. And we met with the founder. We sat down. I've sat down and had several different meetings, interactions with people on their team. And Liz and I just felt like they were really good people that really believe in what they do. They really appreciate their mission and they're really good at what they do and finding the right fit for people. And I know coming from Liz and I, people who have uh, come out of college and struggled with like, what are we going to do with these degrees that we have? And I mean, even if you don't have a degree, it can just be kind of a, a lonely feeling being, you know, you, you ask like so many of your friends advice, just your significant other, your parents, like, what should I do? But at the end of the day, it's really a decision for you to make. So it's nice to kind of have a little bit of professional guidance from a company like ProSearch. I know the more that we learn about them, it's definitely something that I wish I would have been able to take advantage of when I was searching for my next move. So with that being said, uh, ways you can get involved with ProSearch and reach out to them for any career help that you might need is you can, Ed actually was nice enough. He's the founder of the company, which is so generous of him. He's offered for you guys to reach out to him directly via email. And it's just at, it's ed, E-D, at prosearchman.com. I'll have it linked and you can email him directly if you have career advice questions and you want to get in touch with him and see like, hey, do you have any thoughts on what I could do? But if you want to get involved with ProSearch as a whole, you can check out their website and we'll have all this link below. Check out their website, their Instagram, their Facebook, their LinkedIn, and go on their website, look around at what they have open for job positions and see if any of them are a good fit. Go ahead and apply that way. Or you can send in your resume via email or contact forms and um, they'll get in touch with you, seeing if they have something that they might want to keep in mind. And if they don't right now, they'll certainly keep you in their queue and they could have a conversation with you, see what you're looking for. And if something comes up, that's the right fit, uh, they'll reach out. Yeah, perfect. And we'll be sharing more about ProSearch in this episode a little bit later on and upcoming weeks on Parties Over podcast. And for now, let's get into this week's episode. What do you mean it's over? Hello? How can I help? Hey guys, welcome back to Parties of Our Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Liz. We are kind of dying here with like new updates because we have been recording a lot of episodes recently, like two a week. We're really cranking things out here. So nothing new is happening, but we have a really cool guest. So I'm sure you guys don't even want us to be blabbing because you're going to be so excited to find out who the guest is and get into that interview a little bit. All right. Today, guys, we have Kristen Gringrich. 
However, you may know her as not your average therapist and, or you may know her as the girl that did the ice scraping on her car, the main viral, like 6 million view TikTok. That's our girl, Kristen. Okay. We were chatting with her a little bit before we started recording and her TikTok account is all about like mental health awareness and setting boundaries with family. And she was like, oh, the one TikTok that blows up is me scraping ice on my windshield. And we were like, isn't that what always happens? You try so hard for this one thing and this random thing that you post is the one that is your big break or something. But she has a lot of really good content on her TikTok account and her Instagram. So if you're not following her and you enjoy the interview today, she has a lot of good content just like this. I feel like I do not obviously relate to her on the scale. However, there's like certain TikToks that I'm like so proud, okay, not so proud of, but like proudish of like the one I made today. I'm like, oh, I love that one. It's so funny, blah, blah, blah. That will get like zero, that will get like a hundred <laughs> views. And then there'll be something so stupid. I will just chuck up on there. Cause I'm like, eh, it's like kind of trendy. I'll just chuck it up on there. Get maybe a couple hundred views Pff, blows up mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands. And I'm like, um, I don't really want that. I didn't want everyone in the world to see that one. I really wanted the one that was like creative and funny. So I do get it. But while we're on the topic of TikTok, Liz and I have been at our, this is our update. We have been hitting it hard on the TikTok grind. Okay. We got a little taste of fame and now we're like, all right, let's, let's get it. Keep them rolling. If you're not following us, we have a parties over podcast, TikTok account, and then we have both of our own TikTok accounts. So if you want more of us and really like personal inside behind the scenes version of us, TikTok is the place to find it. And I know what all of the listeners are thinking, Liz, you said every episode for like over a year that you weren't going to get TikTok. Look where you are now. And yes. Okay. Yes. I do have it and I do enjoy it a lot. And I am on every other social media platform way less because I finally listened and TikTok is the best. You're forgetting one critical part of this. Not only are you on TikTok, it's a part of your literal job now. So (laughs) like your job is to come up with TikTok content. So uh, very ironic, but um, no, if you guys want any secondhand embarrassment, that's where you can go to from my TikTok. I really just will put anything out there to get a couple LOLs. Probably like people people that know us are probably sending them to each other. Like who do they think they are? But really like, who do we think we are anyways? I mean, you're listening to us talk every week. So we might as well just keep spamming you. So true. That's so true. Like I get so embarrassed embarrassed because I know some of the people that follow me on TikTok are like, People I have worked with like years, like in my past lives that I've like worked with, have not talked to, they follow my TikTok, old high school, like teachers follow my TikTok. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. And then I'm like, "Mm, they could possibly be listening. And I have no idea. And they know every intimate detail of my life. So it doesn't matter. Well, with that said, we are going to get into the episode with uh, not your average therapist. Can't wait. Let's do it. All right, guys, we have today on the podcast, we're very excited. We have Kristen Gingrich, but 
better known as Not Your Average Therapist on TikTok. And we know a bunch of you guys follow her. We got a lot of DMs and uh, responses to our story. So we're really excited to have Kristen on. So thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. You guys might recognize her from her ice scraping video at the main winter. We were just saying that. (laughs) My crazy ice scraping window. We don't have earthquakes. We don't have hurricanes. We don't have alligators. That's for sure. Thank God. So as you guys can tell, so Kristen is also a fellow Mainer as Liz and I are. And we discovered that she was from Maine. We've seen her on TikTok here and there. And then we discovered she was from Maine from that, the famous ice scraping TikTok, which how many views does this have now? Oh my gosh. On... In, on Instagram, it has 18 million and on TikTok, it has like 6.7 million. Can you imagine, have you looked at like the hours that people have watched it? I have not. I, I, uh, I honestly don't look at analytics too much. Um, it gives me anxiety. So I just like, just the idea that it's reached like 18 million people. Like I don't read the comments anymore. Everyone, it's funny because everyone's like, oh, you don't have a garage. And I'm like, obviously. <laughs> also like you could have a garage and not like my parents yeah. have a garage I think they've parked in it like twice like, yeah that is, like, I'm like it's not as a car yeah exactly I think the funnest part of TikTok is noticing when somebody lives like down the street from you or in Maine in mm-hmm. general like I'll follow people and then I'm like wait a second I've been there what are you doing there like it's so surprising when it's Maine I don't know why yeah as big as it is, it's tiny. So we actually just had someone on the podcast for two episodes ago. And they said one of the reasons they moved to Maine was because you can like, I don't know, if you live in like Massachusetts or something, you could work extremely hard your whole life and your hard work will never get recognized. Let's just say not, not guaranteed, but it could very easily like get lost in the shuffle. Maine is like one of those places where it's small enough that like your hard work will get recognized, Mm -hmm. which is pretty cool, I think. And he was just saying like, it makes it one of those things like the small knit community makes it yeah nice for sure we have a few questions for you we have the question we always ask everyone yep. now what was your dream job growing up like how did you picture your life I'm sure you didn't think hey I'm gonna be a therapist TikTok star but mm. what did you think yeah I just knew at five years old that TikTok yeah. was gonna be a thing <laughs> 100% knew that no very rich lady (laughs) it's funny because I look back now and when I was like super young I wanted to be a teacher and I was like yeah I'm gonna be a teacher this is awesome and then I realized that I don't really like kids (laughs) and that probably wasn't gonna be a great option for me um so instead I just took a little bit of a different route I'm still a teacher in a way um and I still work with kids and I enjoy working kids in like, like a therapeutic way, but I, it's not like all day, every day. Yeah. I feel like you kind of did fulfill that. And now you're teaching people through your videos as well. Yes. And you're a mom. So, and you have yes. it. Yes. So did you go to college for this or what did you go to college for? Yeah. So I, um, I started in high school and I took a psychology class and I like absolutely loved it. I started really liking kind of learning how the brain worked and and learning people's behaviors and why did people do the things that they did. And I was always like helper friend. And so I went to college in Pennsylvania where I'm from. I got my bachelor's in psychology and I just knew that if I didn't go get my master's degree, I wasn't going to. And so I, my husband was getting out of the military at the same time I graduated. And so I moved up here where he is from, went to 
school up here, got my master's degree in clinical social work. Being a therapist wasn't what I thought I was going to be doing. I thought I was going to be working in like a hospital or um, with like veterans or sexual assault survivors. Um, but I took the first job that really came across my plate, which was a clinician, um, aka therapist. And six months into it, I was like, wow, I'm good at this. Wow, I love this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick this one out. And so here we are six years later. I'm still with the same company. I've moved up. But yeah. Here we so can, are. Can you explain a little bit about what your particular like area of focus is, or for those that don't know, a little bit more technical on what you do? Yeah. So in terms of therapy, um, I am a licensed clinical social worker and a certified alcohol and drug counselor. Um, my niches tend to be more in um, co-occurring, which is where mental health and substance use collide and their impacts on each other. That's kind of where a lot of my focus has been over the years. I'm starting to shift a little bit of my focus to healing family trauma and family trauma in, as a result of the relationships and the toxicity in that. That's a lot of where my content can be geared to as well, kind of stemming from my own, what we call mother wounds. But yeah, I'm, I do that. I've done clinical work solid for four years. March of 2020, I took a promotion. So now I'm actually a supervisor. So I actually oversee um, case managers and therapists um, daily. I just also have a very small caseload that I still see regularly as well. So you don't see, you don't see like clients as in like, let's just say like Liz and I, like when, if we go to a therapist, it's not some, it's not like that. Is that correct? Yeah, no, it is. I don't see, I I used to have a caseload where I would carry like 45 cases, but that's no longer my position. Um, Now I just have a caseload of like six people. Okay. And Um, you you have like an area of focus, which as in, yeah. That is usually where my focus tends to be, but I, I work with kind of a law across the lifespan. I tend to really like to work with 16 to 24 year olds. Mm-hmm. It's what we call transitional youth, because I feel like um, that's a lot of the time where a lot of the change in our life happens in those, in those years. So I really like working with that age bracket too. So we've already had people that have DM'd us and said, is she taking on new clients? <laughs> so I know. That is good. Sadly, I but I am not taking on new clients. I get this DM at least once a day. Very flattering. And it's always a running joke that uh, my staff and I make that everybody, you only see like a highlight reel of what I provide. And I understand why people connect with it. Um, but then like I, I joke with my clients and they're like, no, they'd hate you. And I'm like, I'm like, thanks guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. But it, it's it very, it's very flattering. Um, what did your coworkers think when like, I just am picturing me in like a normal job. And then one day coming back, I'm like, I'm kind of famous. Yeah. It's different when it, you're in like marketing or something, but like a job like that, no, not a lot of people are on the internet. Yeah. It's, um, I didn't talk about it for a while. Um, because I was, it was like this weird, embarrassing thing. Like, how did this happen? Like, cause to me, like, I'm just Kristen. I'm just a person. Like I'm not, and I don't even think I'm like, I'm TikTok quote-unquote famous like I don't see that they think it's kind of cool they also think it's dumb and hilarious and they're like why you um (laughs) they also they just see me as Kristen like they're you they're like you're just our weird boss who makes dark humor jokes like who are you but they do think it's cool they laugh I had a staff today who was like I just saw this video and it was freaking hilarious and I was like I know I know (laughs) thanks (laughs) thank you oh that's funny 
this is a question we had later on, but we're kind of getting into it now. So could you share some of your favorite parts of your job and then some of the biggest challenges? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge, like my, the biggest challenge of my job is really whether it's social media, whether it's my full-time daytime job, it's really focusing on what I can and can't control. And I think sometimes the challenge is, is that I can't fix everything. I can't make everybody understand everything and that there's always going to be someone that is not helped or not helped in the way that they might need. And I think as, as a human, that's a really hard thing to sit in. The thing I love most about my job and, and this platform is I, I get messages all the time about people saying, wow, this really helped me in therapy. Like we get like that space is sacred. And for some of us, we know more about a person than their own family does. And I think that that is sometimes an amazing opportunity that someone trusts you enough to take you along on their journey of healing and really just letting you step into that. And I think those are some of the biggest benefits. I mean, even just on TikTok too, like someone messaging and saying, I started therapy because of this. I set boundaries with my toxic parent because of this. Please don't stop talking about I call it on TikTok, please don't stop talking about your mom trauma because it, it makes me feel seen. And it, that's been such an amazing opportunity because we don't see some of those things talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. I know like a lot of people say like, oh, if this just reaches one person, like I will feel fulfilled, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it must feel so good to know like these videos are reaching this many people and maybe they're scared to go to therapy or mm-hmm you know, scared to talk about these things, but I can reach them this way and maybe it will push them into something. So is that kind of the reason you started making that content? Yeah, I really started. I started as everybody did. It was bored in quarantine and it kind of took off and it was more just like, how can we talk about therapy in a way that is educational? It meets people where they're at. It destigmatizes mental health. It destigmatizes therapy. And, and it worked. It, it started getting people to talk about their mental health in a time where mental health was deteriorating in those beginning months and even now continuing in this pandemic. And I, it's just been an amazing journey. And that's something that I've had to refocus my attention on was for a while, I was so focused on the views and growth because it gets exciting, right? Wow, my video got a million views. Wow, my video did this or did that. And even now, like my videos don't go as far as they used to. But I tell myself like 5,000 people is still a lot of people. 500 people is still a lot of people. I would not want to speak in front of a room full of 500 people. And so if it just reaches one person, if one person finds solace in the content that I make or any of my fellow creators make, like that's, that means the world to me. Well, we're on the topic of like getting, you know, attached to the numbers and stuff. How do you like set that boundary with yourself almost to not mm-hmm. get like addicted to refreshing, refreshing, reading the comments. And um, I just, I know for like, I'll have a video mm-hmm. that does semi well. And I literally like, I'm like, can't stop it. And it, I don't know. I can't imagine. I, I think for myself, I have an understanding of how human behavior and the brain work. And don't get me wrong. When I have a video doing well, I am 100% refreshing that feed because it's, giving me dopamine. Mm -hmm. It's giving that rush and it feels good. But I also had to separate myself because I felt it becoming toxic because at the end of the day, like it's just a video. At the end of the day, that's a 20 second feed of my entire day. I get all the time, like 
you don't, you don't read the com, like you don't read comments. You don't engage in hate comments. You don't know because those, those individuals know nothing about me. And a lot, nine times out of 10, I always challenge people. If you get a hate comment, click on that person's profile. Do they actually follow you? Immediately, if I click on their profile and they don't follow me, their comment means nothing to me. Now, if they follow me, I give it like, it gives me like 10% of like a feeling. I'm like, ooh, ouch, they do follow me and they still felt this way. But if you don't follow, like, no. And that's just a place in where in my life where I've stopped giving power to other people. Um, and when you, when you do have a platform on social media, whether it's a large platform or even just a personal platform where you're putting out information, you open yourself up to feedback. You open yourself up to comments from others. And I just, if you're not willing in the words of Brene Brown, if you are not willing to be in the arena with me, your, your opinion doesn't matter to me. That's great. Uh, I like took tips from that just for myself. I like turned off notifications for TikTok. So it's like, sometimes Mm -hmm. that's good. And sometimes it makes me like want to go check it more often, but that's good feedback. I don't read, like I said, at kind of the beginning. I don't, I don't look at the analytics anymore. I may look every once in a while, but I've stopped looking. I've stopped looking at so many numbers or so many likes because it just made me feel bad about myself. And I'm not here to make myself feel bad about myself. I'm here to enjoy what I'm doing. Even on the other end of things though, like how do you not make it, you know, like go to your head or, you know what I mean? Like you're sitting there and you're, let's just say your job and you're like, I am sitting at a regular job and I have all these brand, you know what I mean? Stuff Mm -hmm. on the complete other side of things. I think like I remind myself, like I'm just human at the end of the day. Like I... I have this platform and there are strangers on the internet who know me and idolize me and think I'm like this cool thing since sliced bread, but I'm just a person. Like I forgot to brush my teeth this morning. I spilt a cheeseburger all over my shirt last night. Like I, I, I'm just a person and I, and I remind myself and I think that there's a piece of imposter syndrome that's there with that as well as like, sometimes I just don't feel like I deserve it. But yeah, I mean, I think I have a really good base. I have my fellow content creators keep us and we keep each other in check a lot of the time. But I think there's also a piece of me that's really proud of the platform that I built. I'm really proud that this is something that I get to do. And I think it is special. And I think it's I, it's exciting for me, but I also allow myself to sit in that as I well. That. I know when Liz and I had our first um branded deal we were like walking around we're like the people next to us don't even know like they're sitting there they don't even know we just (laughs) it's so it's so funny like I've gone on vacation a couple times with um some creator friends and I'm like do you think they know (laughs) okay in hours hours was not the same (laughs) they definitely didn't know (laughs) but like but it's still it's like it's kind of like that secret like oh they don't know like they have no idea like, do you is- think that little gaggle of 14-year-olds who would die if they saw that there was someone with, like, almost well, right. a million followers? Like, or, like scroll, like, let's say you're on the treadmill and you see someone, literally, they could be on your video right now. And yeah. you're like, that's me. You have no you're idea. Like, <laughs> that is yeah. so funny. And so I think that there's a piece in that that we definitely find funny. Um, <laughs> it's funny. And even now, like, I was in Target the other week and some woman... I, I go to put my kid in the car and this woman is in this car and she makes eye contact with me and I just like ah whatever and I'm putting my car in and she comes up and she peeks her head on the door and she goes I don't mean to be a weirdo 
but I follow you on TikTok and I love your stuff. And then there's me and I'm, again, I'm awkward. And I'm like, what do I say? Um, thank you. I'm working on thank you. I'm like, thank you. Oh, I'm glad you love the content. Oh, it's <laughs> oh like to me, to me in that moment, I was just mom shopping at Target. Like yeah, you, you know what content you're putting out. And then when you put your phone away, you're probably like, oh, I'm just living my life. And then someone's like, yeah, oh, I saw your video. Oh yeah. What? <laughs> you did? Oh, okay. Now I'm going to bump into you in the grocery store. I have a feeling. Probably. We were going to ask you, have you always lived in Maine? But you kind of answered that question for us. So your husband mm-hmm. is from Maine. Yes, he's from Maine. Um, we met in Pennsylvania. And then we just, we had an opportunity where I didn't have anywhere I needed to be. So I made the crazy decision to move to the coldest state. Very chilly. What were I'm your just, initial thoughts when you, you moved ice there? Oh. <laughs> I'm just dreaming of Florida through the entire <laughs> winter. Fair. Just dream of Florida. <laughs> It's not, it's definitely not a bad state. It's very beautiful. There are always lots of things to do. I love food. So foodie, foodie central is my favorite. But yeah. I'm not a fan in the winter. Yeah, no, that's Liz and I actually, Liz just made a video about like embracing winter. And it's something that her and I just, I, she's sorry. She's always done it. I mm-hmm. have just recently decided I'm like, well, I'm not going anywhere. So I should probably like figure this whole winter thing out. So I was talking to my coworker too the other day and like figuring out like a thing to do inside in the winter. You know, I don't know, just things like that, that you have to like really learn to, if you're not leaving, you got to figure it out. Yeah, for sure. Like a cozy book and like romanticizing that whole thing. Yeah. One of those. You got to find something to get you through. For me, it's TikTok. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's actually a good one. You probably have way more content in the winter than in the summer. Oh yeah, 100%. So we talked about your area. So if someone is looking to go to therapy, what mm-hmm. should their first step be on discovering a therapist or what should that look like? Yeah. So when you're looking at therapy, the first step you need to decide is how am I going to pay for it? Do I have insurance or am I going to pay out of pocket? Do you have insurance? You're going to want to check with your insurance provider. What are my copays going to look like? Do I have a deductible? Any of those things. If I'm going to pay out of pocket, what do I what do I have to pay? Because there are definitely very very different levels of payment. Some sessions are $125 an hour, some people do 60. So you need to kind of start there first. Is how am I going to pay for it? Then the next step is what do I want to work on? You have to figure out what it is that you want to work on. It doesn't have to be like niche down to like one specific thing, but are you experiencing kind of some anxiety symptoms? Are you experiencing depression? Do you want to work on relationship stuff? Because that's going to help you kind of dive through the thousands of therapist profiles. Because if you have a therapist on there whose only niche is self-esteem, but you're not working on self-esteem, you're not going to want to hire her. So that's going to be a part, having an idea of what you want to work on. Having an idea if you want to work, if you have a preference of working with a male or a female, do you need them to be LGBTQ inclusive? Do you need them to be a person of color? Ask yourself some of those fil- those kind of filter questions because that's going to help you kind of need- bring down the amount because you could have a thousand, but that could bring you down to 20. Then it's really just calling. And looking at um, psychology today or therapy done are really good options where they usually have a bio 
and a picture where you can kind of kind of sift through a couple. You can read their bio and you say, you know what? I'm not connecting with that. Or, Ooh, I really like this one. Psychology um, Tinder. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's psychology Tinder, therapist Tinder. Um, and then it's really calling a couple and doing some, a lot of places do if they're, if they're taking clients they're they do consultations and you can ask some different questions. You can ask, um, see and see if they're a fit. My biggest piece is just because you start with someone doesn't mean you have to continue with someone. So you can start with someone, see them three or four times and you're like, mm, this isn't a fit. You can go find someone else. And I think we don't remember that we have that power and that choice. Um, and that just because it doesn't work with one doesn't mean it's not going to work with another. My therapist, Sarah, is my fifth therapist that I've had. And she is like it for me. It took me a while. I had a therapist after 45 minutes. He was like, you want to book another session? I was like, no, nope, nope, no, thank you. You probably kept getting a new one thinking like, oh, maybe this one's better. Maybe it's better. And then you meet her and you're like, oh, this is what I've been waiting for. This is the right yeah. Exactly. And, and I, and, and therapists sometimes change with your life. Um, I could be with Sarah for, I'm hitting five years with her now. Um, maybe at some point in my life, I need to switch to a different one because my phase of life is different than what she can provide to me. I think that's important too. Okay. Let's take a quick break to talk about this week's sponsor. Unfortunately, Ashley and I are not looking for new jobs currently as we just started new jobs, but we know some of you all might be looking for a new job or looking for someone new at your company and having a hard time finding the right fit. So whether you're looking for a new job or your company's looking for a new employee, ProSearch is right here in Portland waiting for you. Yeah. So Liz and I have partnered with ProSearch over the next few weeks, just because like we had mentioned in the earlier ad that we know what it's like to look for a new job and feeling kind of stuck and alone. And it's really nice to have some guidance on what someone thinks might be a good fit for you. And these folks are professionals. They do this all day, every day, and they're really able to help curate a, an experience for you that can allow you to find something that they know the company's values, they know their culture, they know the benefits pay all these different aspects. They can really help guide you and what might be a good fit for you. So ProSearch works with some of the big, biggest companies in Maine and some of the most reputable companies. So they're able to have these personal relationships that can help get you in the door a little bit easier than just sending out your resume might be. So they're able to directly speak with a hiring manager that can kind of put your resume in front of other people. We've also, if you guys want to go learn more about ProSearch, you can check out our episode that we did with founder a couple, I think it's episode 112. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Episode 112, we spoke with the founder and we talked about what they do and just different career advice. So we're really excited to be able to partner with them and we will have every way you can get in touch with them listed in our show notes. And if you guys have any questions about them, feel free to also write to us on Instagram, DM us, email us. We're happy to answer any questions or help put you in touch with the right people. So let's get back into the episode. Also, I wanted to ask, obviously it's more regular that we're seeing this type of content online over the past couple of years, but have you noticed any other kind of changes since you started working in the field? I know it's just more, people are more open about it. I can tell from like our side of things, but as someone in the field, have you noticed a huge change in that? 
Um, yes and no. I think that there's still a very large stigma with mental health and seeking mental health treatment, but there it is drastically different. Gen Zer, if you compare Gen Zers and baby boomers when it comes to talking about therapy, like baby boomers are gonna be like, oh my God, she's in therapy. And Gen Zers are like screaming it across the Walmart parking lot. <laughs> like, and so we are seeing definitely some changes. People are more willing to talk about their mental health with their friends and their parents. People are seeking services more now than ever. I mean, the wait lists across our entire state are so high because people are just seeking services for a multitude of reasons. But yeah, we've definitely seen a lot of mo- a lot more talking about mental health and and bringing more awareness to it. And we're seeing it in our media. When you talked about like the dark humor thing, how how you have dark humor, and I feel mm-hmm. like Jesse has total dark humor. Oh, totally, and totally. It's- like in the sense of mental health, they're like, oh, me and my depression. And like, yeah. that was never a thing before. No. Well, you didn't talk about it. You didn't right. talk about, you pulled yourself up by the bootstraps and you said nothing and you just went on your day. Right. Um, whereas now we, we've learned that you can still go about your day and still be struggling and that it doesn't have to be this black or white type thing. Our podcast is kind of centered around coming out of college and adjusting to adult life and living in your 20s and kind of becoming well-rounded so a lot of the problems that people have coming out of college are that struggle and kind of the anxiety of starting a job and like falling into a depression that they didn't you know it was kind of covered up by going through school and all of these things so are there any tips or advice that you have for people specifically in their 20s yeah, I think it's an, it, it's important to remember that nobody has it figured out. And and I know that that's a lot easier to to hear than actually take on that we don't have it figured out. I'm 30. I just turned 30. I just left my 20s and I still don't have it figured out. You don't have to do any of this alone. And even if you don't have parents to lean on, maybe you have friends that you can lean okay. on or 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 parents or or grandparents or co-workers or whatever that you can ask for help again that you don't have to do it alone addressing things sooner rather than later that's a big thing we live in a we live in a treatment society versus a preventative society so um when those feelings of sadness or anxiety start to peep up we'd rather push it off and hope it goes away versus addressing it immediately and there's a privileged piece in that when you have things like insurance or the finances to pay for therapy. And you can still address some of those things without going to therapy, even just acknowledging and saying, whoa, something is changing. I need to make changes in my life to help kind of combat this. That's going to be a big piece. So when you graduate college, right, you're 23, usually after like your bachelor's degree, you're 23, 24. That you're like, when you think about that in the grand scheme of your entire life, that is like the first quarter of your life. You haven't even finished your first quarter out of a hundred. And we think that I'm supposed to have everything just figured out and that I'm supposed to be getting all of these grand things. And Oh my God, I moved back in with my parents or any of this. And I think it's just normalizing that all of those things are okay. I'm 30 and living with my husband's parents because it just makes sense right now. So I think that's, that's a big thing is that at, at 24, you're still young, even though you're told, figure it out, you're an adult, 
you're still young. I think we get like overwhelmed with uh, a lot of people too went from having like a lot of socialization when they're in college, they're constantly around their friends to a lot of isolation, which I think is a big thing. And I think social media also has been a challenge because you're seeing your friends. Like I know for me, this is like maybe a silly one, but I know for me, I lived with my parents and my friends and my friends at their own places. And I would see them like, it's a silly one, but like making their own dinners and having a glass of wine at the end of the day. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I do not have my own space to do those things. Mm-hmm. And I had like such a comparison that I was like, I'm a kid, they're an adult because they can have mm-hmm. a glass of wine at the end of the night, mm-hmm. just things like that. Mm-hmm. And I went from feeling like I have, I would be like belly laughing every day with my college roommates, like, you know, to yeah. the point where you're like stomach hurts. And then mm-hmm. you're like, I'm now alone in like a room. Like my yeah. bedroom. Yeah. And you're in a nine to five job chained to a de- or whatever. And this yeah. is not shade to a nine to five job, but it's just all those different things. It's a it's literally like culture shock for these kids. Oh, for sure. One of the things I have to remind people is that comparison is the thief of joy. That um post that your friends are making, I'm not saying that they're not happy with that. But remember, that's a snapshot of their entire de- their entire day. What they didn't post was that they just spent five hundred dollars on a new on fixing their water heater, or um, they're cutting it real close on paying rent this month because their apartment is just so expensive and they're doing it by themselves. So there are there the there's always upsides and downsides to each thing, and I think sometimes we have to remember that things like social media are highly real. But it is hard. I remember leaving college. I remember moving to a completely different state um, and feeling that isolation. I remember leaving high school, that group of friends and starting college and being like, oh, friends that I don't know. Cool. This is fun. That sometimes we just have to create our new normal again. It's kind of like a restart. But yeah, it's really hard for, for that age group. And I know anyone who may be in that time right now, I have to say, as I'm like looking back on it now, I feel like I'm kind of, I feel like I'm right on, if I'm not already past, I feel like I'm right on the cusp of being past the post-grad time of my life. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's been like almost four years now, but you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I've, Mm -hmm. I'm right there. Mm -hmm. And so I can reflect back and look. And I was thinking about it the other day and I'm like, I could not wait to get out of the stage of life. I now miss it. I'm like, I was like at such a low in that point of life. And I really was. And I'm not taking away that. Like I was, I don't think I would choose to go back. However, I'm like, that's the last time I could have like lived with my parents. Like I can enjoy like living with my family, like family meals. I can enjoy like less responsibility. I mean, I didn't have to cook every meal. I didn't have to, you know, all those things, bills, much more freedom and just different things like that. Like you will always look back on a stage and like, you only remember the good, you know, as much as it is. So like kind of just sitting in those moments and like, taking them for what they are and and knowing like one day I'll look back and this is a stage of life that I will look back and like remember some fond memories of. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that has been really freeing to me. And I, and, and it's also important to remember too, when you post-grad, even just undergraduate, so bachelors, you've spent 17 years in school. That is going to be a culture shock and that's going to be a shift when I remember when I grad so I went from bachelor straight to master's I remember the three months post master even though I was working full-time I would perpetually randomly on a Saturday night get so much anxiety 
because I had free time. <laughs> and I was like, what paper am I missing? Why, why do I have free time? I must be missing something. Like, <laughs> like, I don't think we put enough like power into like, we spent 17 years of our life doing papers, doing homework, making grades. A lot of times we find our worth in our grades. So then we're now struggling. We're outside of school and we're struggling with our own self-worth because we have no way to know that we're doing a good job if we're not seeing an A come across our grades. So it is hard. It's probably half the reason that we started the podcast. We were like, what do we do with our free time? Like we just have, like we yeah. just want to do something. So yeah. it could actually, it ends up being pretty good because you'll fill your time with the things you actually want to fill your time with. Yes. And sure. kind of on the same topic, a lot of our listeners and a lot of myself as well struggles with kind of saying goodbye to youth and embracing mm-hmm. the age that you're in and embracing mm-hmm. aging. Do you have mm-hmm. any tips on how to manage this? And I think a lot of my older friends that are in their thirties are like, just wait till your thirties, just wait till your thirties. And it is starting to pump me up. So do you have any tips for our listeners? So I, I, it's funny because I remember being 17 and being like, oh my God, 30 is so old. Oh God, like you're like a grandma. And I'm 30 now. And I'm like, this has been like, I've just turned 30 in October. And the last like four months have been the best four months. Like, again, I still don't got, I still don't have my shit together. 100%. Like I'm still a hot mess on a, on, on a Tuesday afternoon. It's one of those things that like, who says that you still can't have fun at 30? Why do you have to be this, this adult who's boring and in bed by seven o'clock? Trust me, some nights I am. Who says that you can't just go out for appetizers and cocktails on a Tuesday night? Who says that you can't buy the fudge pops from the grocery store and feed your inner child? Like, it doesn't have to be boring. And I think we have this, that notion that this is what adulthood is. When the reality is adulthood is whatever you want it to be. I like with that thing that's going on right now and it's like golden girls like how the age of golden girls then and then it's like the sex in the city cast and they're the same age yeah and it's just like kind of a, such a representation of how we view adulthood now it's like it's like you said it's what you make it and you can be however old you want to be like mm-hmm. your age is not necessarily how you portray yourself and you yep. can kind of invert like the you know tiktok for example is such a great example of embracing your youth because you can be as silly and ridiculous as you want out there. And it's, my hope is that like the professional world will understand, like there's still, I appreciate professionalism mm-hmm. for what it is. However, there's still like the people are human and like mm-hmm. the, your therapist, like she's a human, your doctor, he's a human, she's a human, whatever. And I don't know. I feel like I'm hoping that starts to kind of like the lines blur a little bit and we yeah. can like embrace our inner youth and child and stuff uh, a little bit more well and I just actually did a funny TikTok where someone had commented saying that tattoos are unprofessional so I did a little petty TikTok and used it and used the comment and I filmed me going to get a tattoo I mean I'm a 30 year old I literally just got my septum pierced I have a bit I have a whole arm tattoo I have a leg tattoo I'm getting another arm tattoo like those things don't to take away from the knowledge that I built or the schooling or the degree that I got. 
I went to Las Vegas with, with a bunch of my friends and had a really great time and probably drank way too much. But that doesn't take away that on Monday morning, I'm coming to my job and showing up for all of my clients in ways that nobody has before. And so that's, we're definitely seeing a shift in that. Now, where we talk about, uh, you know, saying goodbye to your youth and trying to become like an, an adult, we have a lot of people, I know you talk about like setting boundaries and family. How do you shift over from being a, a kid to creating this relationship with parents and family mm-hmm. to having like your own life? Um, I know that's something you focus a lot on. Yeah, it's hard it's hard to sometimes step out of that kid role. And I'll be honest, like when I go home, I'm sometimes I very much step back into a kid role, but it's also like, you begin to learn where your voice is. You begin to assert boundaries that says, no, I'm not doing that. Or no, I don't live under your house anymore. I'm not doing that. But it's also where your comfort level is. And I think that that's important. And as we get older, we just find our power. I think that as we get older, we find our power, we find what we want to do. And the nice thing is, is as you get older and you do things like move out, it does make it a little bit easier to set boundaries with, with parents or family members, um, because you're not under the same roof. I think uh, we have a few specific examples on the setting boundaries with parents, like, um, we talked about holidays and setting those boundaries. Cause I think there's a line too, where I know we have mm-hmm. a lot of people that are starting their own families and trying to figure that out. And mm-hmm. there's a, a line too. Cause it's not like, I, I think these people, like they've understood, they don't want, how do I say this? They enjoy what they have with their like families, but they mm-hmm. also are trying to like set their boundaries with their own situation. Um, we have like some people that recently had kids and they're trying to figure what that looks like. Do you have any advice on that? I very much embody the, I don't do things that I really don't want to do. I balance, I teeter the, um, what someone is asking me to do and the nature of that relationship. Now, when you set a boundary, that doesn't mean that there may not be consequences on that other end, right? You choose not to go to family Christmas, there might be consequences where people are upset with you and they might be, and those people are allowed to have their emotional reaction. But it's also important that we put our needs first. So this holiday season, I set some boundaries because of COVID and I said, this is what I'm doing. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing this because it was too much. I'm not traveling to 10 different houses on Christmas day. I'm not, I'm not spending my entire holiday season popping around to different parties. I have a little kid, so I'm not staying at this party after like two, three hours after his bedtime. And I think it's just, that is again, learning that power to say no, or to say, Hey, the power of compromise of, yeah, I'll come, but I'm only staying for this long. And it probably gets easier the more times you do it because they start knowing like, yeah. Oh yeah, that's just they're gonna do that. That's what yep. she does, or and or we're used to that amount of time. And I think it's important to remember, like your boundaries may upset someone, but that is their reaction. Like that is not a reaction for you to own. And so that's something that I've come to terms with too. Like I might say no, I'm not gonna do that, and I might piss people off. I frequently do that in my life. <laughs> <laughs> that is something that I should do more of because I just care so much what people think or like Mm -hmm. what I'm expected to be at or do Mm -hmm. 
And that's what I hope comes by the time I'm 30. That's my goal. Well, and I think that there is a good thing in, in caring what people think. I think I, I don't ever want anybody to think that I ride this train of like, I don't give a about anybody because that's not the truth. The truth is I do care about what people think, but I also value my time, my energy and the things that I want to do. And I also find a balance. Do I want to help someone move? Nobody wants to ever help anybody move ever. But do I know in that moment that that's probably going to be really helpful to that relationship because it is, and it does fit in my schedule? Yes, then I might do it. But if I'm like, they're moving this weekend and I have 15 other things that I have planned, I'm probably going to be like, no, I can't do that. No, I'm sorry. I did a really strong, I got married in 2019 and our guest list was people who we engaged with. I would invite one, uh, like extended family, like they had kids. I'd invite one sibling. We invited one sibling, but didn't invite the other. We invited one, one um, family member, but not the other because we were like, this is our wedding. We're going to invite those people. And it caused a little bit of an uproar for some people, um, rightfully so. But we were also like, if you didn't get an invite, you should probably reestablish and think about why you didn't. We had people talk about life events, holidays, and in-laws. And those were like our three family like yep. boundary setting. And I, it was ironic I think we had people like asking about those already we've had people ask them and then you're like I specialize in setting <laughs> family yeah this fits quite nicely wedding yes. is a huge one like everybody mm-hmm. in our lives is going through that like wedding season right now and that's something that comes up in all of their conversations like oh I don't I don't know if I want to invite this person like and I love what you said my mentality is I we paid for our wedding by ourselves if I'm paying for it, I have say. If it's going to cost me $75 to $150 to have you there, like I'm that got like I looked at that as a, I looked at it as a number, like a person was a number. And like that's kind of how I had to sit back in it. Um, because if someone else was paying for the catering, it may have been a different discussion. I may have been more open. But I was like, if it's seven, I think for us it was ended up being like $75 a person. I was like, so if I order, if I get 10 That's people, yeah, I was like, if yeah. I have 10 people who are trying to come to this wedding that I'm like, eh, about that's $750. It's a lot of money. Oh, and so weddings. it does, it does get easier. And sometimes you just got to break it down in that way. Talking about weddings and everything you're marrying into this other family. Yeah. And we're talking about setting boundaries with your own family, but how do you set boundaries with someone else's family when you're also trying to build this relationship with them too. So I think when it comes to setting boundaries, especially with um, a partner's family, the first thing is to have that conversation with your partner um, and explain to them, this is why I'm doing this. And your partner is either going to have your back or they're not. And you have to have that discussion as to why they're not. And most of the time you're like being honest, your partner should have your back regardless, even if they don't agree, because it's not saying that they don't have to do it. So there are times where I don't go, like I have put up boundaries and not gone to certain parties. I was like, you know what? I'm not feeling it. I'm not going, you can still go, but I'm not doing that. And I think that's the biggest piece is really having those clear and just hard conversations with your partner first 
because sometimes sometimes we hit the in-law jackpot we have really wonderful in-laws and we have really wonderful experiences and sometimes we don't that let you stay with them (laughs) huh I said that let you stay with them like yeah (laughs) yeah I have really wonderful in-laws that let me stay with them um but sometimes you don't hit the in-law jackpot and um it's not great and you might have a partner whose family engages in pretty toxic behaviors or even if you do have like great in-laws it's hard to blend families I mean that is a hard thing to do and yeah just just on that note just for anyone who's listening even if your in-laws are amazing like it is tough to blend two families together like you've got different traditions you've got different different religion different political views right like those are big things. And sometimes like, I'll be honest, me and my father-in-law, we do not, we rarely talk politics together because it's just not something that we agree on. Right. So why would, and so there's also that piece of learning. Like I've had conversations and have said, I'm not engaging in this conversation with you. I'm not even starting this conversation. I will, I will get up and walk away from, from conversations before I even engage, because I know that I have my power. And so sometimes it's even that. We Okay. And then we talked about a little bit about social media. I think we already kind of covered this, but um, I feel like we talk about this. You t- focus on like alcohol. Sorry, this is kind of separate. So when you, when you focus on alcohol, do you focus on addiction? All or? of the above. Okay. We, get, we focus on addiction. We focus on misuse, things, anything really. So I talk about this all the time on the podcast and there's, I know everyone is so sick of hearing about it, but social media addiction is something that I am like very, I'm like, why is the news literally not like blasting this everywhere? Because this is going to be a literal epidemic. Like it is so scary when I think about it, the attention spans that are just like, I mean, mine is like, I'm aware of it. And I have noticed if I compare the last five years, the side effects that it's had on me and I don't know. Can you touch on that? I know uh, for you have experience with this, with addiction in the forms of like maybe drug and alcohol, but I imagine similar things apply. Yeah. I mean, we do see it. You do see, I mean, when you aren't looking at your phone for several hours and like you're itching to check something, it's, it's, it's withdrawal. It's a craving. A lot of the side effects we see are mental health. I'm not saying all of it, 100%. Um, people can very much use social media for good. But if you don't have the processing or the awareness to look at a Photoshopped image and not compare yourself to it, like we're going to see that. Again, if you don't have the ability to, to remember that this is a highlight reel and not actually real life, it's going to have an impact. We watch people disconnect from the other people in their lives. I literally joke with my friends and I'm like, I really just want to come sit on the couch and scroll TikTok next to you. I don't actually want to put effort. It's like, well, so I know disassociating is a thing. Um, And then I I think of it with like your phones and I feel like it can really make you just like, I feel like it can, I used to think of it. This is so crazy before I knew anything about like what the effects of social media could have. I used to remember I had the first realization when I was like going for a long drive and this was like still early on in social media and I was going on a long drive and I was like, oh my God, if I scroll on the internet, it's like, I'm lost all that time like it was like time was in fast forward it's like I was teleported to my destination and then 
as I got older and this became more of a thing, I'm like, that's terrifying. I do not want to disassociate from my life. Like yeah. a long drive is still a part of my life. Like that's three hours I've lost of my life. Let's just say. Even if you're not on it, if you're thinking about it, like if you're out to dinner and you're thinking like, oh, I can't wait to get home to check my phone. You're not focusing on the conversation yeah. at all. Yeah, we, we definitely see that. We see the impacts of that. I mean, I have my screen time is up for a lot of different reasons, but there is a lot of it that is social media. And it sometimes it's sad. It, yeah, it's like the like, numbing. Oh, it's like you're so you're every Sunday when it's like your screen time has gone up by 36%. And I'm like, oh, no, who knew our New Year's resolutions would be like, I want my screen time to go down by this much percent. Like that's a New Year's resolution. Right? Yeah. Now I know we have some, we've done, we've done a few of them, but uh, some questions from our listeners. Yes. Somebody asked us if you had any tips on how you can help out your partner when they're going through a tough time, like how you can be there for somebody. Great. Sometimes it's just, it, it literally is just being there. Sometimes it's making sure that they're doing the bare minimum, giving them the space to take a shower, surprise them with their favorite coffee. And sometimes it's just, hey, remembering what they like to do and offering it to them. And so, hey, do you want to go watch a couple episodes of the show on Netflix and we can cuddle with your favorite blanket? It doesn't need to be, you don't need to fix it. And you can ask, like, is there anything that I can do right now to make this feel better other than just existing with you? Sometimes there's a yes, but sometimes just existing and cuddling up on a couch with a blanket and whatever, a bag of popcorn, like sometimes that's, that's enough for that moment. How do you, okay, this was the, I think our last question to cover is how do you let yourself feel your feelings, but not get stuck in them? Mm. So a lot of times we want to sit and we want to feel right. And then we say, what can I do about this? Can I fix this? No. Okay. Well, can, what can I do? If I can't fix this, can I accept that this is and acceptance doesn't mean approval two separate things that's a whole other conversation but it's making sure that we are actually processing it that we're actually talking about it um sometimes you do get stuck in feelings and I think there there's a reality in that sometimes I get stuck in feelings and this is what I do every day of my life for a job is to get people unstuck sometimes it's knowing that feelings are temporary in a way think about the last time you were mad are you mad now you think you're always going to be mad in that moment yeah yeah Yeah. like when was a lot when did you feel sad or an overwhelming sad are you feeling that overwhelmed now they are temporary in a way now they might have like the the content like contentment or whatever but it's the same with joy when was the last time you felt joy are you feeling overjoyed now no, because it, it, they, they do eventually move through process. But what happens is, is if we don't actually deal with the situation that caused it, that's where we get stuck. So if you're, if you're upset because your best friend is treating you like trash and that's constantly making you feel sad and upset, but you're not doing anything to address that, you're going to constantly be in that cycle. Versus taking the steps to maybe fix something in that friendship, set boundaries, whatever it may be. I love that you said that because I think we, maybe like when we were younger or something, 
happiness became what we were supposed to strive for as the baseline and like our constant state. And like everyone would just say, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm not happy right now. And it's like, okay, well, maybe I'm not not happy right now, but maybe I'm just not not happy. I'm just mm-hmm. content. And now I feel like striving for because I think like the post grad thing is, or even just like not even not even post grad. Um, striving for contentment is I think striving the new like striving for happiness mm-hmm. is not always wanting more more more. It's like mm-hmm. I'm content in this stage of life, and yeah, hopefully I experience more happiness than sadness. But it doesn't mean that like if all of these feelings are temporary. So anyways, I just love that you mentioned like happiness Mm -hmm. is temporary and contentment is really like the baseline. Yeah. Well, and I think we confuse happiness with joy. Mm -hmm. We are happy more than we are joyful, but we constantly compare. We, we have this, when I ask someone, what does happy look like? They usually describe joy. And so when we're, when that's what we're striving for, of course, we're never going to be happy all the time. But again, like, what does your contentment look like? Like, what does that, what does that baseline look like? Because life is not all sunshine and rainbows, but I, life is also not all sadness and, and rain clouds. I actually hilariously just did a post today that said, did you, did you have a terrible day or was it just a portion of your day? And do we need to reshift our focus a little bit? Because sometimes we're going to have bad days. We're going to have good days. We're going to have all of that. And it's just making sure at the end of the day, do the scales balance out? Great point. Listen, I just did a podcast on like, is it time to quit your job or whatever it is? And we kind of touched on like, you know, are more, are more your days, terrible <laughs> situations days, or do you leave feeling pretty content and happy most days? So I think it is really just analyzing like, Hey, is it all that bad? Or did, was it just a portion that was bad? I think that's all the questions uh, we have to listeners. Liz, anything else? This last section has really got me thinking. Like I'm just sitting here like, hmm, when was my last bad day and why? And, and I'm like, wow, I feel so good right now. Thank you about that. So it, I hope everyone's thinking about these things now. Liz and I actually created Parties Over Podcast two plus years ago just so we could get a free therapy session here today with not your average therapist. This is the, <laughs> this is the whole plot. <laughs> yeah. We've been we've been scheming. Yeah, we've been scheming. You're welcome. You yep. could have just you could have just asked. It's okay. <laughs> Send the bill yeah. to my blue my blue cross. Sounds good. I gotcha. <laughs> All right. Well, this was so, so, so helpful and very relevant to, I know a lot of our listeners, we've had so many questions that we just have not been able to find the right fit to help us answer them. So we really appreciate you coming on and um, taking the time. Could you share with our listeners all the places that they can find you? I know that we follow you on everything, and but I think they would really (laughs) like your content as well. Yeah, you can definitely follow me on um, TikTok and Instagram is where I'm the most active and that's not your average therapist and therapist is T-H-R-P-S-T. You'd find me making hilarious videos, dark jokes, and maybe calling you out a time or two on your sleep schedules. I have to say that was a good one. <laughs> Let's go work on our mental health. <laughs> <laughs>